If you do not have a Bible, uh, please uh, raise your hand and we'll get a Bible to you. We're going to the book of Romans, uh, the eighth chapter. We're um, coming to uh, um, uh, just a, uh, Paul is ex- ex- exploding. Um, uh, in just this whole idea of more than conquerors from the first eight chapters of Romans. And, uh, and so he comes uh, in the second area of why we're more than conquerors. And so we want to talk about that. We're going to be reading um, Romans 8, 31 through 39. And so um, we love it that you're opening up the Bible. I think there is a... Uh, uh, a Bible in the room that is not of our language, and it's exciting to, uh, to, to begin to see that uh, there are other languages that are among us, because don't you believe that the full church of God is the full um, race of humanity coming together and worshiping Him? I do. I believe that. I believe that. I, uh, I think that God calls us specifically to uh, walk with people that are not like us for a reason, so that we can learn from each other, that we can grow from each other, and that we can f- experience the fullness of uh, our walk with God uh, by people that walk differently, in the, but in the same direction to Jesus Christ. And so I hope, you're, I hope you're excited about that as I am. Romans 8, starting with the 31st verse. Uh, we went through the uh, 31 through 34 last time. And so we're going to pick up 35 through the end of the chapter, but let's just read the whole thing again. I think it's worthy of reading again. It says then, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That is a great question. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And this is our new section. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? No one. Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are, say it out loud, more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is kind of a crescendo. This is a crescendo, and it's just an amazing crescendo. Um, Last week, uh, we really talked about the first... um, the first thing that comes into our mind that is, can be against us, that can condemn us, that can um, cause us to, um, uh, to lose our salvation. And it's persons. We talked about others um, 
who could come into our life and because of what they do that somehow they could cause us to lose our salvation. We say that we ourselves can cause ourself, our, to lose our salvation. And I love the statement. I hope you remembered it. If we didn't have enough strength to save ourselves, how do we have enough strength to cause God's grace to be lost? And that is true. That is true. We don't have enough strength. Um, would God himself uh, cause us to lose our salvation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not because his love is eternal and it never changes from generation to generation. Can Satan cause us uh, to lose our salvation? Absolutely not. His power was stripped at the cross. He was made a spectacle by the cross and he does not have the power for us to lose our salvation. And also um, about Jesus. Well, it's his very character based on his eternal completed work that says that Jesus himself could not and would not uh, cause us to lose our salvation uh, because he is our Savior and our Lord. Now, somebody here might say to me, Pastor, but you don't know the situations I've gone through. You don't know the circumstances that I have gone through. Circumstances have caused me to, to struggle. Anybody here had hard circumstances in their life? You know, I don't, I don't think it was by any chance that Olympia was called by God to be baptized today. We just heard of a horrific circumstance. Horrific. And yet in the midst of it, with a daughter only living for seven months... Olympia's faith believed that God heard her prayer and that he honored her. That's faith. It's in the midst of the trial. It's in the midst of the struggle. It's in the midst of it all that faith really shines. It isn't that everything goes away and everything is fine. But, you know, did Paul have the right through the Holy Spirit to write this? I mean, Paul had an easy life. Once he became saved, he was put on a throne. He was fed bomb-poms all the rest of his life, and everything went well for Paul. Oh, that's not what happened. Okay, you're right. You're right. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us different. Imprisoned many times, flogged several times, exposed to death again and again, Five times 40 lashes minus one. Three times beaten with a rod. Once stoned and left for dead. Shipwrecked. Night and day in open sea. Danger from rivers, bandits, Gentiles, and Jews. In the city and out of the city in danger. Danger from false believers. But also he had personal hardships. He had sleepless nights. He was starved, thirsty, in daily concerns for the church. This was the one who's writing this message. And I think that he has something to say to each one of us. And so in the midst of his, touch, uh, of his tough circumstances, he begs us this question in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So the first thing he said was this. Well, okay, hold on. Before we go on there, the who is really what? 
he is talking about the impersonal things of life that seem to take on, listen to me, destructive personalities. Because isn't it true that your circumstances seem to take on a personality of themselves and they seem to be speaking condemnation into your life? Anybody tracking with me? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And so they say, I can destroy you and separate or divide you. I can divorce you from the living God. When it talks about that, so that's, that's where we're going. That's why we're going to circumstances. But also this, um, when it talks about here that um, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, the love of Christ is really talking about salvation. It's the salvation that he brought to us. And so can a circumstance cause a person to turn against Christ or Christ to turn back his back on uh, a believer? I want to emphasize the title believer. Ever since Paul began teaching this teaching out of Romans, he is, his, um, his foundational verse has been what he's been focus on, focusing on for the first eight chapters. It is, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. And so that's Paul's focus. And so for believers, these are the questions. Now, I want to address you who have not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're in a very vulnerable place. In fact, I can almost guarantee you that either people or circumstances have been, the, have been lording over your life and guiding your steps. And it's a very vulnerable place to be, a helpless place. Paul said that Jesus Christ came when we were helpless. And what makes us helpless is because we have over top of us things that people have done to us, circumstances that have happened in our life that continue to come back and come back and come back as condemning, damning things in your life. And if you're there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, you do. You can even hear it in your heart right now. And so it's a great day. Um, it's a great day uh, for us to come to a place where Paul's been trying to drive us from Romans 1 to Romans 8. He went through religious hypocrisy and unbelieving and making them the same. He, he went through the fact that uh, everyone needs the atonement of the Son of God, that there is no one righteous, no, not even one. And then he even includes himself in the whole situation and says, you know what, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do, and if I don't do what I want to do, then it's no longer I that does it, but it's sin that lives in me. And he's been driving to this point and so, if you are not a believer today, absolutely you are overcome by people. Absolutely you are overcome by circumstance. So the promise of these verses that we're sharing today is that if you have been born again by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit has overcome you, then these words are for you. You are more than a conqueror. 
more than a conqueror. And so Paul begins to go through the circumstances. He first talks about what's, what we see as the word here, trouble. Uh, shall trouble, or tribulation is another word. It is the term for being squeezed by life's problems or placed under pressure from outward difficulties. It is the life adversaries common to mankind. It includes just the, the physical um, abuse that goes on in life. It is paying your bills. It is relational strife. It's family brokenness. It's uh, under the auspice of divorce, the loss of everything material, the failure that you have had of any kind in this world. Anything that you cause, uh, that has caused you experience life being squeezed out of you. Have you had that trouble in your life? And if you're living, you'll have to say, yes, you have. So have I. So have I. The second word is hardship or distress in some of your, in some of your books. It is, it is a term for uh, narrow and space, the idea of restrict confinement, it, of being helpless hemmed in. We have used the phrase caught between a rock and a hard space. You know what I mean? It refers to the hopelessness that enters um, into the heart of a person when they see no good result possible out of their life situation. Oswald Chambers' uh, favorite phrase is that you're coming to your wit's end. You ever been there? Absolutely. The modern psychological term is called a double bind. It is which a heart believes that they uh, are caught in the middle of a no-win situation. It is so important that Jesus himself said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, you can do all things. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And you know what? We have experienced the nothingness of our own ability, of our own trials, of our own trying to make it happen. It is also uh, Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that, and it, this again is, is, is just this point of saying, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out for you. Interesting thing is, is that if, if I had a, a show of hands in here where temptation has come to a place where you just believe it's way too much for you to handle, I almost get 100% of agreement by every single person because we've all been there. But the promise is that he's the vine and that in him we can do all things and that in him he always provides a way out. But it's in him. And so, trouble, hardship, and then the final, final one is, um, which he gives some subheadings to, and that is persecution. Now, this is the idea of the afflictions that suffer for the sake of Christ. For some of you who do not believe in Christ, your persecution does not come from that fact. This is strictly for believers. It is the direct result of being hated without cause because of your identification with Jesus Christ. And then Paul lists the realities that come out of persecution. The first one here, as you notice, is famine. It is the idea of worldly discrimination that happens to believers. 
We in ourselves here in this church have experienced it. We had a young lady by the name of Tiffany that left uh, to go to India uh, to see if God was calling her to be a missionary in India. She now is in Indonesia. But when she went to India, she got ever, all her paperwork in place. But when she came to the border, they found out that she had Christian connections and they wouldn't let her in the country. Discrimination, hatred without cause, is what famine is. And if you're a Christian, Olympia, you're going to experience that. You're going to experience that. There are people that are going to hate you without cause. The second one is nakedness. It's not have, uh, necessarily to do with being unclothed, but what it has on the idea of being unprotected and vulnerable in this world. It is a picture of what we've read in Scripture. Paul and Silas sitting in a prison. They had been whipped and beaten for no reason. They were vulnerable and unprotected, and yet what were they doing at midnight? Yeah, yes, they were. They were praising God. Lord, give me that kind of faith. So famine, nakedness, also danger or peril. Um, the danger of mistreatment and treachery. Today, this is growing. We currently have teachers that have been mistreated and treacherously thrown out of their jobs because they decided to stand up for the truth than to teach ideologies that they knew were lies. And it's happening around us. We have uh, court cases of a baker who was unwilling to bake uh, for something, uh, an unholy wedding they did not believe in. And uh, he's been persecuted, I think, multiple times. And so we live not only in famine, where there's discrimination, but nakedness, that the, we live in a feeling of unprotected and vulnerable in this world. Um, and, but also, and said to Timothy, in the fourth chapter, first uh, book of Timothy, he says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And so that's dangerous for people who follow Jesus because demons are always going to hate children of God. Always. And then finally the sword. It is the idea of death coming from something that is concealed under the cloak of false life like an assassin's dagger concealed under the guise of a friendly gesture. Have you ever been um, deceived by someone, and it felt like death because they turned on you. And so these three things, the circumstances of life, the trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, is that. And then he culminates it with saying this, which I think is something we need to hear today. And that is a verse from um, Psalm 44, 22. It says, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You see, Christians should not be surprised when they have to endure suffering for the sake of Christ. That's right. That's right. And I, I, 
one verse, uh, one chapter came out of my heart as um, as I was thinking about that and studying that, and that's from the book of Hebrews, and it is the eleventh chapter, and it's the end of um, of the uh, uh, of the kind of the hall of faith, and it says this. It says in the 36th verse, some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Kind of a great start to the thought of um, more than conquerors, huh? But what I love about God's word is this. He does not say, oh, just get over it. He does not just, just say, hey, pull up your boot pants and just get on with it because, you know, stop crying. He acknowledges the fact that this life is hard. In fact, he told us at one time, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart of overcome the world. And so, do we believe that? Do we believe that? I remember once that there was a church attender who had just gone through a horrific thing in his family. And his words to me were this. If this is the kind of God that he is, that will allow a situation like this to happen, then I don't want anything to do with him. And that man never came back to worship. He did not know. He didn't understand what it meant to be more than conqueror. Hebrews 13, 14 says, We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. There's been a phrase that has really, really hit me uh, in the last couple weeks. And that is... Um, as, as the Holy Spirit was speaking to the church in Revelation. And it was saying, he said these words. He said, I know that you have little strength, but hold on to that which you have. Anybody in the room ever felt like they had a little strength? Anybody in the room that ever felt like yeah, I just, I just don't know if I can keep going on. Yes, I have to. But I've come to understand that it's in those moments where faith is more important than any time in our life. That faith believes. Faith believes that we love because he first loved us. Faith believes that we keep walking because he walked in our shoes. Faith believes that we hold on because he's holding on to us. That's what faith believes. Do you believe that? Because Yes, it gets hard. Yes, it gets to a place where you just absolutely don't know if you can keep walking. Yes, but faith believes. Faith believes. 
Scripture tells us that there will be a, a great deception in the last days. And that deception will uh, cause... In 2020, we saw, and since then, we have seen a huge exodus from the, from the church of Jesus Christ. All concerning something other than spiritual life. Physical well-being. Something on the outside. And that lie has deceived many. But there is a truth found in 1 John 2.19. It says they went out from us because they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Olympia's walk with Jesus Christ is not solely placed on her ability to keep walking. It is totally centered on what Christ has already done. And as she sits in the seat, she needs to rest in the completed work of the cross. And that will be her strength to keep walking, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what. And it is the same for us. He is holding on to us so we can hold on to him. But here comes the hitch pin verse of where Paul is going with us. It is verse 37 that says, Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Now I learned from my piano guy that a hitch pin is where the string goes around to the, to, to the solid base of the piano. And then from there, there is a tuner that can be moved back and forth to tune the string. I got that right, Aaron? Okay, thanks. <laughs> the hitch pin is that we are set in Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. It is unmovable. It cannot change. And so the Holy Spirit, listen to me, friend, the Holy Spirit then can tune our life, which we get off tune sometimes, right? Do you get, you ever, anybody here get off tune? I get off tune. Just like a piano needs to be tuned, so my life gets off tune. But because my life is set in the hitch pin that is set on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can, can tune us to be with him. And so there is no persons and there is no circumstances that can change the reality of our salvation. None. None. You're more than conquerors. You know what that means? It means that it's, it means an excess of success. It means that not only were, was, the, was the, the conquering done in your life, but there's an excess of conquering going on for all eternity. He has conquered. So why are we living as victims? Why are we living so weak? Listen, Christ 
In Christ, we are supremely victorious over everyone and everything through his power, the power of the one who loved us so much. It says here that he who did not spare his own son, in verse 32, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now, I don't care about a Cadillac. That's not the all things. It means all things that we need. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The very things that are important, that are life-changing, that we need in our life to overcome, are the very things that he gives to us. In Colossians 2, 13 through 15, it says, God made us alive in Christ. He made us alive in Christ. Nobody can take that away. He made us alive. Forgiving all our sins, canceling the charge of the legal debt against us uh, that was made to, to condemn us, taking it away and, by nailing it to the cross, and then he made the evil powers of this world, he made them foolish and powerless to overcome us. Even though they threaten that they can destroy us, listen to me, friend, they haven't been able to. They have not been able to destroy you. They have not. Why? Because they don't have the power to. Because in Christ, you can overcome all things. Now, Someone might say, well, you know, this is all nice in some kind of religious way, but it doesn't take away the pain that people and circumstances have caused. You're right. It doesn't. It doesn't take away the pain. But how about a new vision? How about a new vision in the midst of the pain? Okay? That we're more than conquerors. One reason, there's two reasons. First, we're more than conquerors um, because for believers, we're stronger coming out of trials than what we were going in. Now listen to me. The very things, listen, the very things that threaten to destroy us are the very things that we become stronger in the midst of. Let me just ask you a question. When is the time in your life where you've grown the most? Yes. Yeah, it's never been the easy times. It's never been when everything goes your way and everything is going fluffy. It is the hard times. And in those times, as, as through the Holy Spirit, you remain faithful to God, you keep walking the path, you come out of it stronger. When Sue and I do marriage counseling, we often laugh because I, yeah, and I've even seen some smiles from people that we've done it with. Um, we laugh because we do more counseling out of our mistakes than what we do of what we've done right. It's true. And Sue and I have a plethora of mistakes. And we can counsel for a very long time. But it's amazing to see that in the midst of the trial. What begged to destroy me. It did, that now, more than conquerors, we can look people in the face and honestly say, you can get through this. In Christ, you can do all things. Don't give up. Don't give up. And it's, it's amazing. In fact, he said to us, right, in 28, he says, and we know that in all things God works for good unto those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, people of God. First reason, because you're coming out stronger from the war, the pain of the war, than what you went in. Friend, it's true. It's true. It's true. I know it's hard to believe. I get that. But it is true. What do we get when we go through hard times? We get a deeper understanding of our own unrighteousness and the amazing depth of his righteousness. We get a more of an understanding of our unfaithfulness and the amazing power of his continual, eternal faithfulness. And we get a look at our own weakness and his mighty power. Thank God for that. Thank God for this. It is good for us to realize our total dependency on Jesus Christ. It's good for us to see that because many of us, myself included, have lived many times independent of him, thinking we could do it ourselves. Second reason, first one is that we come out stronger than what we went into our trial. Second, we are more than conquerors because the ultimate reward will far outpass whatever earthly or temporal loss we may suffer. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. The power of the more a conqueror is really the true departing point of true believers versus false believers. When you come in the midst of the struggle... I could get some amens right now. You come in the midst of the struggle, it really proves to you whether you truly believe or not. Isn't that true? Do you believe? I, I do too. I do too. I believe that so much. And so, um, as Paul brings us to a climax, he says these, this thing in verse 38. He says, for I am convinced. I am convinced. Suffering is overcome by the belief of the heart and what the heart is convinced of. Paul said to Timothy, I know whom I believe and I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have given to him against that day. It is the absolute, and this is the crescendo of it, is I am convinced. What is he convinced of? And this is the second point of going into this. Um, first is he's convinced. Second is that the battle is not physical but spiritual. He said in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, dark rulers on high. And it is true. And some of you are in great battle with them. But do you notice something? When you're in battle with them, Guess what they do? They try to turn it into the physical. They try to convince you that it's this person or this situation. That if those things just didn't happen to you, that your life would be in a better place. And so they try to keep you circling in. If my life was different. And it's a lie. It's a lie. For believers... Listen, whose life is this now? Olympia, whose life is yours now? Jesus. 
Yeah, you should stand in that chair and yell that out loud, girl. <laughs> That's right. No, listen. It's no longer Olympia that lives, but it's Jesus who lives inside of her. And that's our hope. And that's the truth. But the enemy keeps trying to turn it back physical. And you'll notice from the list, that's exactly what he tries to do. From the list that he has here. Right? He says, oh, no, no, no. You know what? Your biggest issue is death. Your biggest issue is death. You should be afraid. Because death is coming. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. No one uh, who comes unto me, um, if they believe in me, even if they die, yet they will live. He said, and, and you know, some people almost get offended this, but do you know that in Psalm 116, 15, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Huh. And I love this one. Psalm 23 says this, that even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, right? So um, um, Donald Barnhouse was trying to, to get an illustration for his children who just saw his mother uh, be put in a grave. And he's thinking to himself, how can I talk to my children about death? And all of a sudden, a huge semi went by, and the shadow cast over top of his car, and he got it. He asked his kids this. He said, would you rather be hit by the truck or by its shadow? And, he, and the kid says, by its shadow. He says, that's what your grandmother just went through. Isn't that beautiful? For a believer, there is no fear of death because all we'll walk through is the shadow of the valley of death. Do you believe that? I do too. I do too. Um, well, if not death, then what about life? What about life? Because, you know, there's a lot of threatening things right now going on in my life. In Christ, we're guaranteed eternal life. For the temporal threat against our life by the enemy, he has no power over our eternal destiny. No power. 1 John 5.18 says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who's born of God, meaning Jesus raised from the dead, proof of his Godheadness, uh, in, in Jesus is the one who keeps them safe. And the evil one cannot harm them. Now, does that mean that the evil one can't bring cancer into our life? Can't? Yeah. But he can't harm our eternal destiny. And then it goes on and on. It goes on to angels and demons. Um, and um, in that, I, I just, with the time, uh, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on these other ones. But, um, but I think that it's safe to conclude that when he talks about neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither present nor future nor any powers, either height or depth, um, right? Psalm 139 tells us that, you know, uh, where can you go from my spirit, right? There's no... Um, or anything else in creation, right? God is the only uncreated being in the world. And so no person can come against, no creation can come against the uncreated being. Now this is, I, I think it's Dave, I think it's your dad always says this. Why do you keep getting your identity from created things when the one who is uncreated is the one who should be given your identity? 
Isn't that true? My identity is in Jesus Christ, the uncreated God. Why do I let anyone else give me that type of identity? So there is no one or nothing that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. No persons, no circumstances, nothing in all creation can move us from the position of a child of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, why is this important? Why is these passages? Why did Paul come to this conclusion? Because for the next three chapters, he's going to begin to unfold what's happened to the people of Israel. He's going to begin to unfold that even though they had the word of God, they rebelled and turned from it. And, and that even though they were once grafted into the vine, they have, through their own re- uh, rebellion, been ungrafted. Now, does that mean that someone was able to get in? No. No. His promises for his people are true. They were true when he set his covenant. They're going to be true for all eternity. Nothing can get in the way. And he's going to unfold that even through Israel's history in front of our face. I know that there are those in front of me today that have struggled over whether their salvation could be taken away by either the actions of people or the actions of circumstances. And I am here with Paul to tell you that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. You can't. Nobody else can. No circumstance can. Listen, and it's the foundation of that that becomes the confidence for us to live our faith out every day. There's an enemy who knows that you're saved. And he knows there's nothing that he can do about that. But he knows that if he can convince you that either a person or a circumstance can get in the way, he knows he can make you ineffective. Understand that? Hear it in your heart? It's time for us to stand up in the confidence that no one, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. That is an amazing gift that we have. Let's stand up as a church and let's start living that out loud. That kind of faith brought a couple to knock on a door that a young woman realized that her God's faithfulness to her was real. And she's just been baptized with us today. People of God, let's walk together and let's see what he does through peoples whose confidence is on him, not on themselves, trusting him, not in themselves, believing that he loves them so they can love. He's walking their walk so they can keep walking. And he is holding on to them 
so they can keep holding on. Because I know it's hard at times. I know it's hard. Amen? Stand with me as we pray. Pray with me. Father in heaven, uh, we come and we just, we acknowledge you as God of all and King of kings. We acknowledge that your word is true and that, Father, you're telling us that more than conquerors is the fact that, that not only was the battle won, but there is an excess of success that keeps going on and that we get to live in that excess. Why do some of us live in such menial lives, calling ourselves Christians, when there's so much more? And so, Father, I just pray for uh, my brothers and sisters that are before me. I know specifically that you had called us to hear this word today. That, Lord, there is no person that can cause us to walk away from our faith, even ourselves. I often think about the fact that, Lord, um, you are a good father that know how to discipline your children. And so, Lord, thank you for disciplining me, who at times walked away from you, um, living a life that looked like it was going to separate me from you, and yet you said, no, my child, you come back home. I thank you, Lord, for the fact that there's no circumstance, nothing bodily, nothing in this world, no, no um, um, strife, no difficulty can separate us from your love. And I pray that, Father, that someone here today believes that, that, Lord, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus and that nothing can separate us. Lord, we need more of you and less of us. We need to trust in you more. May we be able to say with Paul uh, that I am convinced that he is able to keep that which I have given him against that day. And so, Lord, may our confidence be in you. We need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour we need you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, I pray.